0: Hey everybody, Mark here. Thanks so much for tuning in. And before we jump into today's conversation, I want to remind everyone that on September 24th, we'll be launching three services and our service times will be changing. Services on campus will be 8.30, 10, and 11.30 at each one of our campuses. And we're going to be live streaming the 10 a.m. service for our online services. So I'd love to invite you to bring some friends, family, coworkers, neighbors, and help us celebrate this weekend as it's a bit of a marking moment in Menlo's history. And we will be kicking off a new series that weekend as well called Explore God. You might have seen some signs around this from one of the churches near you or at our church as well. And we're actually partnering with about 150 other churches to all go through the same messages and curriculum together as a unified Bay Area seeking Jesus to be here. So amazing stuff happening there. And we hope that you're enjoying this prayer series. Again, text us if you have questions, any questions about prayer, as we have one more week of this series, we'd love to answer those for you. And now let's jump into a conversation with Jess and Phil. Welcome to the Menlo Midweek Podcast everybody. My name is Mark. My name is Jessica. And Phil's with us today. Good morning everybody. We're back. We are here together. I'm back. All three of us reunited. Yep. The band Three's is back company
1: together. Mm-hmm.
0: Nice. Anybody and we have an reference? additional guest with us. <sighs> mm-hmm. And like if you're listening us. along, I'm pointing to a what looks like a stuffed moose.
1: It is. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I wasn't here last week because I was on vacation. Nice. I went to Phil's previous residents of Colorado visit Not
2: like to our old house, but like Correct. the area that was. Yes, that would be, be weird. weird. You just yeah. wanted to do some sightseeing. I did the Phil tour and I went out. to all of the, the his, his, his
1: church, mm-hmm. nice. his house. No, not at all. Um, and so I thought it would just be fun to bring back a little memorabilia. So it's this cute little moose and he says Colorado on his he's tummy. A, he's Aww. adorable. And he's really soft. So Can I, I just, yeah, I just thought I would <laughs> I try. Oh, he's so put it he's so soft.
2: And he's like so cute.
1: I right i didn't see any moose which would have been really cool
2: he's he's so cute look at that little guy what's That's, the plural of moose is it meese? Moose, I mean, Have people
1: decided this is i feel moose? like this is a this, bit, this is that th- one this is like a Will
2: thorough bit <laughs> he's like it's moosin'. and he's Listen gonna that. just pop out from like one of these walls yeah. Try that
1: out. kool-aid man style
2: <laughs> Isn't it nice that is really nice yeah,
1: yeah. thanks so much for bringing yeah, this
2: yeah this so is a good time sweet. beautiful yeah, I'll Put him right here for uh now. put him in the candle
1: There you go. Oh, that looks like he's going to the bathroom in it now.
2: People are going to have to deal with
1: it. (laughs) If you're listening, maybe go on YouTube and watch this little segment because that was weird. Yeah. (laughs)
2: Mm -hmm. Phil, what do you miss about Colorado? Uh, I mean, you know, the easy answer is people. We developed some really close friendships there. And uh, I was there just a couple weeks ago for uh, actually a conference thing down in the Springs. But I went in a couple days early and hung out with my friends uh, back in kind of Denver area, which was great. It was a little overwhelming. Like I didn't expect it to be as much as it was mm-hmm. and I kept it kind of low key on purpose, but it did not end up that way. <laughs> uh and then Alyssa is actually going this weekend to oh. just her to just hang up with friends and cool. So, uh, you know, our kids are like, when do we get to go? And we're like, stop, you got school. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's – I think people are the the easy thing to say uh, just in terms of what comes to mind most. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, it's your life, like yeah. all your spots that you go to and all the things and activities that you enjoy doing. And uh, in California, I've gotten way more into biking because it's so, so easy to bike. It's a huge biking community, Um but in Colorado, it's not like there are parts that are that way, but uh, mm-hmm. not where we lived. So I, I was much more into running when I was there. So I missed like I went and ran some of my old routes and stuff with some buddies. So, mm. cool. uh, yeah, miss that stuff. But we're glad to live yeah. in California and feels like the th- there is not a um, low number of things to do uh, mm-hmm. with our kids and uh, as people here either.
1: Mostly because you can be outside like all the time. Ten months of the year. Yeah, yeah.
2: We bought <laughs> we bought a dining room table for our house when we first moved here, and mm-hmm. Alyssa and I once a week are like, "Why did we buy that? <laughs> like we just don't <laughs> we don't ever eat inside." So
0: it's
1: yeah. so I love yeah. eating outside, a little patio yeah. vibes.
0: We've been doing that too, yeah. except our backyard is being redone right now, so Ooh. Um, we have a big picnic table. Shout out Megan Cole. She was just like, "Does anyone want this picnic t- t- table?" And I was like, "Yes, me. Nice. Thank you." Good. It's probably Megan Cole's family. Thanks. Kohl's <laughs> maybe? I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I think for the majority of the last three months meals, at least for dinner and breakfast, we've been outside. Yes. Nice. such a great way to greet the day. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Uh, if you could have one meal from Colorado Ooh. out here
2: now, what would it be? Ooh, that's a good question. So one of the things that's true about where we lived in Colorado is a master plan community. So a whole bunch of Colorado stuff around where we lived was all chains. So it was like, hey, yeah. do you want to go to Chili's? You want to, like that was it was a weird. There's a great sub shop called Subway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, kind of like that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there were a couple little fun places. There's a burger place just a plaza over from our church called Bookmakers. That was a fun like locally owned thing. Uh, There's a place down the street called The Rock. That was a restaurant that some folks that went to our church they owned it, and it had mm-hmm. this beautiful view out the back. But not like I would have had to go into Denver or like other places to be able to get kind of foodie level Yeah. Food food. So do you
0: have foodie level food food?
1: I did. I'm sure yeah. you did. We went to a place called Snooze that mm-hmm. Phil Great was like place. I was so jealous. Breakfast place. Of all Great. that's place. a good name for a breakfast yeah. spot. It's so <laughs> it was good. cool too, because we got there and they're like, An hour and a half wait. And we're like, dang it, we no. should have known. And they're like, But the bar is first Open. come, first yeah. serve. There's three of us, They're like, what are the odds? So there's a mom and a daughter. And an empty seat next to them. And I'm like, I'll go to the bathroom and come back out and see what happens. I walk in, there was like a line for the bathroom. I was like, whatever. I turned back out, and the mom and the daughter were leaving. Praise the and Lord. And so I got, that. I was like, if I went to the bathroom, awesome. I would have missed those seats. Oh, look at that. So it was, I got the pancake trio. Oh,
2: yeah. And it Let's was like go. a
1: blueberry with a lemon cream inside yeah. and like a brown sugar crumble on top, um, mm. a sweet potato one mm. with maple and pecans pecans however you say it yeah and oh shoot what was the third one
0: i think you could stop it too and yeah i know satisfy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> i didn't
1: obviously didn't eat it all it was yeah. so big but it was
0: incredible yeah
2: it's a good spot it that's Alyssa's so favorite good. breakfast spot yeah it was very good awesome, <laughs> awesome. well speaking of provision and food <laughs> oh, <laughs> nice Segway hey, you're welcome
1: you really are the segue
0: king. uh we talked about embracing the provision of prayer as we're continuing our teach us how to pray series and I thought it was a really, really fun message. Um, I enjoyed a lot of the, um, you kind of had a lot of asides in this message, too, like the mm-hmm. first one where you just kind of had to have a moment of silence for, which I'm assuming is a bad sports team, the <laughs> Cleveland Browns. <laughs>
1: Mark's Agreed. sports knowledge yeah. is my Although,
2: <laughs> they showed up <laughs> this good. weekend, I talked trash about them, and then they clobbered the they? Cincinnati they heard you. Bengals. They were like, well, it's oh. We better show up today. So, yeah, it was a good, good sports weekend. Yeah. Both my fantasy teams won. Browns won. 49ers demolished mm-hmm. the Steelers. So, uh, good sports weekend. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then you took us from there to the scene of middle school or high school Phil mm-hmm. putting these things, little metal things uh, called yeah. coins yeah. into yep. a Third, dispenser. Yep. Mm-hmm. Great joke
2: mm-hmm. there. Yep. And I then, still
1: have to use coins for my laundry.
0: Seriously?
2: It's really dumb. Wow. Yeah. Huh. That's, in menlo park
1: in menlo park
2: that's fantastic that feels like a miss yeah it is I'm like how do i like pay a this bitcoin yeah how do i yeah. pay this via venmo at <laughs> yes. least? i literally
1: have to go to the bank and go oh. inside the and bank and get like
2: a roll of coins and
1: ask for a roll of quarters <laughs> like, oh like the bank website no <laughs> you like, yeah, have them.
0: to log into the bank <laughs> yeah
1: yeah it's ridiculous oh. anyways coins
0: But that just kind of tied into God being a cosmic vending machine or actually not being a cosmic vending machine. And then he launched into your message from there.
2: Yeah. And I think oftentimes we have to start with where we are. And uh, all of us, including me, can approach God like a vending machine. We go, there's a thing I need. Um, In my life, I can usually see it, you know, like a vending machine. That's that's Mm -hmm. the thing I need. That's what I want. If I could just get that, I'd be happy. And uh, then we kind of wonder, what's the change that I need to do? Or sometimes it's, you know, the crystal ball. What's the incantation I need to say? And sometimes that's, what's the thing I need to pray? And I think that's sometimes what we twist the Lord's prayer into. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not Jesus' point. You know, this idea of what is an actual, not transactional relationship with God look like? Uh, Jesus really leverages this specific moment in Israel's history to share with his followers exactly what he has in mind something that they probably wouldn't have correlated to their regular everyday prayer and for us definitely something we wouldn't because we weren't there we didn't know Mm -hmm. the historic reference so we got a chance to dive into the kind of uh, you know um exile or the wilderness after the uh, egyptian captivity uh and really where jesus was tapping into in the history of israel
1: Mm -hmm. and a great song
2: Yeah, come on! on.
1: (laughs) I was in the back in the green room singing that and doing uh, the motions also
0: today on social. Yeah,
2: yeah. (laughs) yes. What's funny for me is, you know, if you don't know this, all of our campuses right now they get the same feed, Mm. so they get the eight thirty legacy service feed, which is a Mm. great service. But that service typically trends older, and that group is often like sort of our most let's call it respectful, they're not, if I ask for like a call and response in a situation like this, they're like, we're not, no, that's not respectful. (laughs) But every other campus, I'm like, how is that going there? You know, because I'm not in the room with them. Uh, So 1030 was with me more. uh, And I set it up a little bit different because I learned from the first one. But, (laughs) you know, if you grew up in church, that is a song you learned. And so I think, I always think it's funny, especially for people in the room who are not church people, because just to remind ourselves this is weird that we all know this (laughs) like this is a weird subcultural thing uh that i think (laughs) reminds all of us we have some shared experience and reminds us at the same time that it will always take work and effort for us to be understandable for people that don't have past faith experience so i try to we those little moments in when they I'm when sure they it
1: varies. <laughs> it is very cult-like. <laughs> when yeah, yeah. We do what it, they're like, are What are we? Do. They all know yeah,
2: it. <laughs> yeah. On your way out, there'll be songbooks available. Yeah. Yeah. Get ready, Exploring God series. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then there's also, there's the transactional part of that relationship, but there's also the, when you're talking about a cosmic vending machine, the idea of immediacy or give me what I think I need, what I think I want for right now, for this moment. And it was pretty clear through um, the last half of your message that that's actually not really how we should approach God.
2: Yeah. Well, I I think when we, I I use the example of kids, right? Mm -hmm. Because kids, we mix up what we want and need all the time when we're kids. And if you have kids in your life, it's almost comedic, right? Like You kind Mm -hmm. of know when your kid is like, I need, I need, I need, I need. You're like, you don't. You don't need another Popsicle, Wells. Like, it's fine, man. I promise. You're going to make it to the end of today. There was some... It doesn't feel like it. I know. Well, there was, <laughs> there was some meal this week where uh, we... I, I think it was this weekend. We had friends in town that were helping with installation service. And uh, we, we waited a little bit longer to get a meal than we normally would. And Wells, you know, all these stories are with a four-year-old because it's, he's mm-hmm. the most gregarious of our kids and he is four. And he just looks at me and he goes, Daddy... It's been too long since I've eaten. <laughs> I'm gonna die, and then he just collapses on me. <laughs> and I was like, "Cool, glad that we're emotionally regulated. Yeah. You know, I'm glad that you feel comfortable yeah. to share this with me." But I feel um, that way sometimes too. And then the hilarious part was uh, this: this had preached. We got to the meal, and he didn't eat very much. Oh my god! was like, "Bro, what are we doing here, what? man? Like, this is what you just you just faced it yourself." Me. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think that we do we convince ourselves. Uh, I need, I need, I need, when mm-hmm. actually it's, I want. And and I think if we take a step back, when's the last time we even assessed what our needs are? And um, I think we often assume our needs and presume on God our wants. Mm-hmm. Um, when God wants to hear what we want, he absolutely does. But when we say, God, give us today our daily bread to say, God, what is it that I need today for the calendar I know about and the calendar I don't know about, and I think that shift allows us to have a much tighter connection to God throughout the day, which I would argue is what mm-hmm. we're supposed to be aiming at.
1: Yeah, I really appreciated the moment with uh, the background mm-hmm. music playing mm-hmm. to take a moment to like kind of think, like, you know, what is that thing maybe today? And I was re-listening this morning, and. Um, was going to fast forward through it to make sure I got through the whole thing. And I was like, maybe maybe I'll take a second. And then literally the word that popped in my mind was patience. And I was like, well, <laughs> isn't that funny? But it's such a good, like simple thing. Like just take, I mean, it could be a minute yeah. just to listen. And what is it actually that you do need today? Totally. that's great.
2: Well, and I, I think, you know, we've talked about that. I think even as a creative team, I think that's where that idea came for, from for me is that in Silicon Valley, like, we're always just like, how do we maximize our time? Mm -hmm. And I think one of the gifts that we get to give people as a church is how do we create moments of un hurried time
1: with God. absolutely.
2: And uh, sometimes I think that can happen through a moment of worship where you have a non-anxious worship leader who's leading, and then there's just a moment without words, and they just kind of stand there, you know, and they're Mm -hmm. playing through a thing, you know, doing what people who play great music do, and you get a chance to just sit, and the Lord can maybe impress something on you, bring something to your mind or heart. You know, I think all that stuff is really divine moments with God that we in our day-to-day life, even if you have a rhythm of connecting with God, I have to work really hard um, because like I've been studying the Bible for decades. And so it's very easy for it to become a math problem for me. Oh, I did this. Okay, Mm -hmm. I'm gonna circle that. This is how it connects to this. I'm gonna go do a word study. Like it's very easy for it to just be a a divine homework assignment. Mm -hmm. And actually, I I think what I've learned is uh, if if I don't have moments like we created this weekend in service where I can't go anywhere, you know, I'm just sitting with you, the way that I do that is time alone with physical activity. Mm-hmm. And so riding a bike or running by myself, that's usually where mm-hmm. I feel like I get quiet time with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And uh, everybody's different. you know. Mm-hmm. I've heard that when uh, you do a lot of work with your mind, oftentimes the way to calm your mind is physical activity. Mm-hmm. And when you do a lot of work with your body, when you're, when your daily work involves physically exhausting labor, a lot of times it's, things that are really mentally stimulating that allow some of that same rest and so uh yeah i just think we all learn our own rhythms but hopefully it just gives people not just a chance in that moment to have time with god which we absolutely want Mm -hmm. but also maybe proves to them this is possible in your life outside Mm -hmm. of this too Mm
0: -hmm. so in those moments when you're like i'm Is it an intentional I'm going on a run to connect with God or is it a I'm going on a run and if it happens, it happens? Like what's your posture
2: going into that? mm -hmm. I mean, it probably depends, you know. It depends on the day, depends on the circumstances. There are times where I feel really overwhelmed, really frustrated, um, maybe even really tired. Mm -hmm. uh, And so I'm kind of going like, Lord, I need to meet you right now. Like this this is you and me going on a bike ride together. And then there are times where it's like, Hey, I'm feeling good. I want to go on a bike ride. Like I'm gonna mm-hmm. go, chill. You know, for me, one of those rides that's a consistent ride for me. There's a like 35 mile loop or so uh, to Levi Stadium and back. Mm. And it's oh, uh, a lot of miles. So but it's like hard. a it's like a gravel ride. It's 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 really not. It's not as hard as it sounds. Um, mm. And. Uh, I, I queue up like two or three specific podcasts mm. that I listen to on that ride. This podcast and the Menlo Sermons it, podcast? Yeah. Exactly right, exactly right. <laughs> um, and they're all, nice. like one of them is like a technology podcast and then one of them is like a faith podcast. Mm. And there are times on that ride where I'll like pause the podcast and just kind of mm-hmm. listen and be in silence with the Lord. But uh, yeah, that one's probably a little bit more social. So it probably depends on the day. Yeah. 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 And then there are rides, I mean- there's one ride that I was on, um, and it makes it sound like I ride my bike every moment of every day. That's not true, uh, but there was one ride I was on that is like this very normal route for me, and I was on it when my 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 oldest brother called to tell me that my okay. brother had died, oh, and so th- like I that strip of road will always feel different for me. Yeah. you know, like as I ride down it, there's just you just go back to that moment in your head, and and I'm sure that <coughs> the emotional energy of that will feel different. Um, a year from now than it does now, but yeah, yeah, I'd like, I'm pretty careful about when I choose that route because I know where it's going to route me. Yeah, And that's another thing that I appreciated was just your
0: openness and honesty about your mental state Mm -hmm. after losing your mom and your brother in such a short time span. And so um, I just want to give some more space to that. If you need to process anything else or if, um, I have had some conversations where it's just like, oh, I'm glad that you have acknowledged this is a thing. You've acknowledged that help can be had in this area if people are struggling with depression. And then maybe what resources we could offer up or, or where you could point people to say, great, if, you, you know, if you're going through something similar, um, how could how could we help come alongside you and encourage you in yeah, a way yeah. that people
2: need it? Yeah, I, I mean, I think uh, you know, the, the church... We have sort of understood for a long time, if you have a headache, take Tylenol. If you break a leg, go see a doctor. Um, we understand the like physical, mm-hmm. and we understand that well. God can deliver instantaneous physical healing, and I believe that, mm-hmm. uh, that oftentimes, I would say the majority of times, the way that God delivers healing in our physical bodies is through incredible men and women who are trained to help us do that. Um, and for whatever reason, for a long time, the stigma has been: uh, well, anxiety doesn't work like that. Depression doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. That if you have to see a doctor, if you have to get medicated, it's because you have doubt. Mm-hmm. It's because you're spiritually weak. And yeah. uh, we don't. Again, we for the person that's like got a broken leg. We're not like, man, your faith just really, ooh, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I remember and what's, when I healed my leg. Right. What's <laughs> what's so sad about it is uh, there are Christians that believe yeah. uh, if you have enough faith, you don't need to take medicine. You know, th- right. there's a whole, actually, there's a whole kind of spin off denomination feel strong. I would mm-hmm. probably use the term cult, but um, false religion that, uh, that believes that. Mm-hmm. And so I I think we can sometimes slip into that thought. Now, I I think we have to be careful that uh, sometimes we move from God must heal this supernaturally and instantly to God can never heal this supernaturally. Mm -hmm. And so um, I just think that oftentimes the answer is, man, Lord, I I want you to use all of it, right? Like if, if every good and perfect gift, according to James, comes from above, that means my counselor... That means properly pre- prescribed medication. That means spiritual influences in my life. That means personal prayer time. That means God working, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so I got a couple emails from folks even this weekend that were just saying thank you. Like, mm-hmm. thank you for right. saying this. Thank mm-hmm. you for acknowledging this. And anytime mm-hmm. I go to a passage that exists within a specific context that has been, I would say, weaponized, mm-hmm. uh, I would try to. Clarify, right? So we went later on into the same chapter where Jesus says, uh, "Don't be anxious." Right? Um, and we're like, "Wait a second, is that an imperative? Is that a command? I'm mm-hmm. not allowed to be anxious?" You know. And then we go to Philippians four where Paul says, "Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything mm-hmm. by prayer and petition present your request to God." We go, "Well, does that mean that's I'm not allowed to ever be anxious?" And so everything when we study the text needs to be understood from the outside in. We have to understand what is the broader context and whether we're talking about Jesus, who was so anxious at one point, he was sweating blood Mm -hmm. in the Garden of Gethsemane, and we know he didn't sin. So, you got to put those together into a theological vision. And then Paul is talking about times where he's pressed but not crushed, perplexed but not overwhelmed, right? So, we know that he has experienced anxiety. So, there is a gradation, right, Mm -hmm. of what it means to have um, overwhelming, debilitating, unaddressed anxiety. wildly painful trauma in our life. And I think the text is saying there's a better life available for you than that. Uh, And then I think that there is the regular depression and anxiety that maybe, maybe you feel every day, or maybe you feel on a regular um, basis. And I I just hope that for people, they go, uh, there's something better available to me. And for whatever reason, for Christians, I think I'd argue this with my mom honestly till pretty much she mm-hmm. she died, because she dealt with lots of anxiety, and I was like, "Mom, you should see somebody." Mm-hmm. Right, like everything that I went through in childhood for twenty years, she did in marriage for fifty five years, <laughs> and uh, and and you know, and through personal times of sharing, she would say, "Well, what you don't realize is as bad as your dad was." I basically married my own father, like personality-wise, which was just, Oof. as an adult, you're like, I don't know how to process what yeah. my mom just told me. And her thing was, it's it's uh, it's too late, it's too yeah. late for me. And I would just say, if that's you, if you feel like it's too late, I've gone too far, this is, you know, that's a lie. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Uh, God loves you, he wants you to walk in freedom, he wants you to find newness of life. Jesus says, the thief comes, to rob, steal, kill, and destroy, but I come that you might have life and have it to the abundance. And I think that for a lot of people, depression and anxiety, in a moment of greater and greater pace, uh, depression and anxiety is a place that God wants to bring divine healing empowered by modern medical discovery Mm -hmm. in a way that you can give credit and honor to God for and live a different, better life. And so um, hopefully a message like this one this weekend underscores that idea.
1: I love what you said too of like, um, maybe part of your daily prayer is thanking God for the medicine that you take every day. Yeah, I mm-hmm. thought that was just such mm-hmm. a simple but so powerful thing that you know we can use to do that and thank God for that modern medicine that right. He created the person who invented it and gave them that brain for that specific reason.
2: Exactly right. Well, yeah. and you kind of wonder when somebody you know, <laughs> that gets to heaven, and this is not the way it works, but you know we we think about it this way: they get to heaven, they're like, God, I just don't know why you didn't solve my depression and he would be like, well, let me just show you mm-hmm. the chess game I was playing yeah. to deliver you to that moment in history, to deliver this counselor two miles away from you, to mm-hmm. deliver the medical discovery <laughs> that would allow this to be possible. It's like the person that, you know, died in the middle of the ocean And as they drowned, like a boat came by. It's like, hey, can we save you? And like, no, no, I'm waiting. God's going to save me. And then somebody (laughs) hands them a life preserver. No, no, I'm waiting for God to save me. And then a helicopter flies. No, no, I'm waiting for God to save me. And then they eventually drown and go, God, why didn't you save me? And God goes, I sent a boat? I sent a life preserver, I sent a helicopter, you know? Uh, and I think sometimes we have in our head this kind of vending machine expression of exactly how God needs to do it. And God's kind of going, you know, I'm the one that I'm actually in charge, not yeah. not you. And I think as we think about what what we need every day, we are terrible judges mm-hmm. of what we need every day. And I think that's part of the beauty of saying, God, whatever I need today, for the calendar that's in my phone and the one that's not, Uh, would you give it to me? Would you give me the stamina to get through today? Would you give me the understanding for the conversations that I'm gonna step into? Would you give me the wisdom? All these things that we're told we can ask for, but instead we go, uh, you know what? I, and and this is the really dirty secret. I think as you get more mature in faith, what sometimes we do is we assume our wants. We don't even pray them. We assume that God's already taken care of our wants, Mm -hmm. which is presuming on God. And then The wants that we really have, the things that we know may be um, antithetical to what God wants for us, we actually don't pray about them because we're scared that God's not going to give them to us. And then we live a life of prayerlessness. Hmm. That's the worst version. I'd rather you have a vending machine version of your faith with God where you're at least talking to him. Uh, Ask for the thing that you need, right? Or the thing that you've convinced yourself that you need. Uh, I would rather you do that than not talk to him at all.
0: Yeah. And so how does aligning it I always kinda get brought back to child imagery whenever I try to run through understanding anything in terms of Jesus. I'm like, Okay, I'm a child in this situation. What does that <laughs> look like? And we talked a little bit about father last week and using right. that language. So how does where's the intersection between asking for things and father? There's some kind of,
2: you know, relational totally. tie in there. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think that, you know, there's a there's a teaching where Jesus is talking about um, this idea of our heavenly father and he parallels it. He says, How many of you who are earthly fathers, you know how to give good gifts? Like you're not you're not gonna if somebody asks for something nice, you're not gonna give them a rock. You know, like you, you love your kids. Even if you're an imperfect father, you love your kids. And so if you know how to give good gifts, how much more? That's a construction that rabbis used at the time, how much more? Hmm. Um, Can your heavenly father see your need and give it to you? And uh, I think that's just this beautiful expression, no matter what your personal experience of father was. Um, And I I always encourage people, if you experienced pain around your earthly father, uh, which I did, there are probably people that God has placed in your life, sort of surrogate spiritual fathers and mothers, that became really helpful. Mm -hmm. And uh, I can just tell you, I would not be here today if it weren't for people like Mark Smith and people like David Wheeler and for people like Charles Keel, um, people that just just men in my life that were stand-in spiritual fathers Mm -hmm. for me, men that would have me over for lunch, men that would spend time and invest in me. And they weren't like formal mentoring relationships. They were just like, oh, wait, you can have a meal at your house and no one throws things? Oh, no one's physically Mm -hmm. fighting here? Oh, that's this is different. Mm-hmm. And they gave me a vision for what a family could look like, for what a man could look like, that that's, that wasn't perfect, but seriously pursued Jesus personally and with their family. And so I, I think that when we think about that and then we think about, hey, when I need something, yeah, if, if there's a heavenly father that looks more in line with this, well, then I, I want to talk to him, right? Mm-hmm. We also take, I think it's Psalm 37, 4 if my memory serves me correctly. And we think about this passage, uh, delight yourself in the law of the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. There's a, right. that that's one version. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that sometimes that gets twisted um, where it means if you are a really good Christian, God will give you whatever you want. And really what it's talking about is a heart transplant that when we say, God, I am uh, passionately pursuing you with my life and God's saying, cool, I'm gonna change what you want to look more like what I want. So when you pray, you're actually praying in tighter alignment with my will, that my kingdom might come, my will might be done in your life as it is in heaven. You know, this thing we just prayed about a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago in service. And so I think it all sort of intertwines together to give us a picture of a father we want to talk to that we believe is trustworthy to give us what we need and that ultimately the things that we're praying for as we are in tighter relationship with him are not only good, but satisfying. And I think sometimes we we have that disconnect. We want good things, but they will not satisfy us or we wanna be satisfied, but we wanna be satisfied with things that are not good for us. Mm-hmm. God wants to align our heart so that the things we're pursuing in our life are both good and satisfying. Mm-hmm. And that, that's summarized by
0: a line that you used in your message, which was, we aren't designed to live a life that, that isn't dependent on God, right? We're, we're not right. designed to be independent from this. We're designed to be in relationship in every moment, trying to seek and ask God, what do you want me to do at this moment? What do you want me to do with this? And so, Absolutely. That's just a
2: hard thing to do, though. Well, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I feel like this is true anywhere. Like, if you're listening to the podcast and you live somewhere else in the country or somewhere else in the world, and you go, that's really hard, and you don't live in Silicon Valley, um, people are people, so we're all much more alike than we want to admit. But Silicon Valley, uh, I would say we are so rapidly independent. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're all different, right? That's sort of the pride of our culture, And one of the kind of startup things that I've noticed is that people will go to a place like Meta or Google or Apple and they'll sort of use it as their incubator. They're figuring out, hey, what does it look like? What's the thing I'm passionate about? What do I want to do? And then at some point, it feels like there's this graduation to startup world. Maybe I'm misreading it. (laughs) Um, But that idea of at some point, I'm going to be my own boss. At some point, I'm going to get to do it my own way. And I think that the idea of... I'm going to get to be untethered and do whatever I want and report to no one. That's actually an illusion, even if you're not a Christian. Uh, we always have bosses. I like to tell people, I have, uh, I have 10 bosses. They're called elders. <laughs> um, and so Hi, elders. we all have bosses. And that's actually good. Like it's good for us to submit to authority. And um, in this idea of a culture that regularly tries to convince us, we can live untethered and unaccountable. By the way, when you see the people that have actually achieved a version of that, it always ends badly. Um, but instead we can say, You know what? I'm supposed to be dependent on God. I'm supposed to say, "God, there's a plan and a kingdom that's bigger than mine, and it has a king, and you are that king, and I'm going to submit to you." And what I need today is what I'm asking you for. And so uh, I hope that wherever you are, whether you're at a you know big tech firm, whether you're at a startup, whether you're going to school, whether you're uh, staying at home with kiddos, whether you're some combination, maybe you're tired and you're kind of going okay, I feel this. I feel this pressure all around me to be as untethered and independent as possible that you would be reminded that as you follow Jesus, it's our dependency every moment on God and our interdependency with other followers of Jesus. That's the way we're actually meant to live. And every moment, the water we swim in in the culture around us is trying to take us uh, in a massive current the other direction. Hmm. How does that intersect with
0: this idea of practical atheism that you talked about i have i hadn't heard that term mm-hmm. before at the ending of your message sure and to me like the dots kind of connect between being self-sufficient doing what i want maybe understanding or having knowledge of of god um, but maybe not living out in that way or not wanting to submit to something higher Um, I just thought that was a really interesting, like I hadn't really ever heard that term practical
2: atheism before. Yeah. Is that a philism? No, 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 it's not. It's a whole, it's a whole thing. thing. You you can go find it on the internet and look at a bunch of people that talk about it. It's a concept that basically says, uh, I intellectually ascend or I believe a specific thing, but my life looks nothing like it. Right. Hmm. And I always think about that passage, uh, even the demons believe mm-hmm. and tremble. Yeah. You know, oh. uh, this idea of like, well, I believe this, <laughs> like, cool. I mean, mm-hmm. the demons believe. It's about what does a saving faith look like, right? We don't have a works based faith, but we have a faith that works. And if your faith doesn't work, you don't have a faith, you, your faith is broken. And so uh, I think that being able to take a step back not as like a oh am i really saved or not but taking a step back and saying what areas of my life am i living bifurcated you know i think about bifurcation is a dental term that talks about the problem between your tooth that you can see being healthy and then the inside of your tooth is really gross and broken, hmm. and eventually your tooth will uh, fall apart, like it will kill you from the inside, like it'll really, really oh. hurt. And so I think sometimes our faith in Jesus functions that way, right? Where there's a version of us where we're like, I'm showing up to church, and when I show up to church, I look okay, and my family's kind of put together, and everything's good. Um, but if you saw me the night before, if you saw me in a meeting, if you saw me in that class, if you saw me cheating on that test, if you saw me on the field, if you saw me in other environments, you'd be like, oh, this thing that you're sort of putting together for a Sunday morning looks nothing like your life in this area of your life. Mm-hmm. I think the what God wants for us is he wants us to be integrated. Mm-hmm. He wants our faith to inform every part of our life. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's very, very easy for us to become, uh, yeah, essentially just this practical atheist that says, you know, I, I, I have a... I have an idea in my head that I believe, but I don't believe it enough to change anything about the way that I live. And I would say, you have more in common with demons than you <laughs> than you should. Mm-hmm. And so uh, being able to say, God, where are the areas of my life that I've decided you get to sit on the bench and God, I'm calling you into the game of my life yeah. to help me make choices. Wow.
1: Who knew that a dental term was gonna just be so like mind-blowing. <laughs> right, yeah. It's from a, I mean, I read a
2: book. I don't even remember the book. I mean, I read a, a book in maybe high school that talked about that. And I was like, oh, this is a forever. Like you yeah, just, yeah. you hear a concept oh and you're gosh. like, that's very, very helpful. So, yep. Yeah.
0: Well, what else, Phil? Anything else that you wish you would have had more time for?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think as you get to the end of a message like this, there are always things that you're kind of leaving on the table. I talked about, um, you know, Jesus r- referencing exactly what we'd spent the message talking about, right? Our father uh, ate the manna in the wilderness He gave the bread from uh, heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, it's not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the bread from heaven for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me, shall never thirst. And I think we talked about this like big idea of our daily bread. And I think that's super important. I think if I could give a part two to this message, it would be, what does Jesus mean when he says he Mm -hmm. actually Mm -hmm. is the bread of life? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, God is not just some esoteric genie in the clouds that wants to sprinkle fairy dust on us. Mm -hmm. He is... A personal relational God who wants to be in our life every moment of every day. And if you've not studied John 15, that's the parallel. John 15, I'm the vine, you are Mm -hmm. the branches, right? Or you could bounce over to Jesus, I think it's in John 8 with the woman at the well. Mm -hmm. And he's like, hey, would you get me water? And which is very countercultural. She's a Samaritan woman um, coming kind of at the middle of the day because she's embarrassed. Uh, I I think she's Samaritan. I I actually don't remember. Um, And Jesus says, if you knew who I was, you would be asking me to give you a drink because the water that I would pour is living water and you would always be satisfied, right? And I Mm -hmm. think those practical implications of where have you put Jesus into a book that you close and put away? Where have you put Jesus into a calendar appointment that you walk away from? Mm -hmm. But Jesus actually wants to be with you all the time, Mm -hmm. every day, How can Jesus satisfy you as the person that you're in relationship with, with the Holy Spirit living inside of you, as you do school drop-off, as you go to work today, as you're in school yourself, as you're in the neighborhood? What does it practically look like in all of those areas uh, for Jesus to be the one who really satisfies? And I think that those answers are much more personal, Mm -hmm. um, but I think oftentimes the next step for us from a conversation like this one. Wow.
0: That's
1: great.
2: Wasn't me, it's was Jesus. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> There's the answer. It's just a good a good reminder for us all. And that's something that I really appreciated about this message. And in its whole, it was just the whole thing was pointed towards align your posture, align your heart, align. And it's kind of building as I'm thinking about it and putting putting the dots together. This is aligning ass. Last week was, well, how do I know what to ask for? I have to have the right posture. Week before that was I have to acknowledge that these ass are gonna go. Heard, they're not going to go unheard. Right. So I like where this is going, and then we are finishing out next week. That's
2: right. Yeah. 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 And we're going to talk about uh, this protection, right? Um, I think this idea of God is with us even in the hard times of our life. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we want our faith to be the thing that uh, avoids the hard times, yep. um, but it doesn't, right? The way that we forgive others, the way that we walk in difficult times of temptation and pain. Mm-hmm. Um, God wants us. He does. He's not trying to have us go around it. He's trying to have us go through it with Him, and uh, mm-hmm. hopefully that'll be um, insightful for folks. And like I said, more than anything, uh, I think there's a message, not a mantra, that we find in uh, the Lord's Prayer that we can then take with us and go. Okay, here's the structure of the way that I might pray. And if you've never done it this way, one of the ways that I'll encourage folks to think about at the end of this series is put the Lord's Prayer somewhere and then. As you're praying, like journal your prayers. Because if you've always been somebody that kind of defaults to one type of prayer, it can be helpful just if if you have a piece of paper that has the Lord's Prayer kind of broken down in the sections and then a journal thing, just, just write, okay, so what does it mean for me to have the right posture today? How do I recognize God in these areas of my life? What does it look like for me to submit today um, in the in the way that I'm asking for today's needs? What does it look like for me to pr- to, to pray for protection today as I walk through difficulties I don't even see coming? And uh, you may be to, you may be surprised about the way you are praying and the way you're seeing God show up in your life uh, that you've just never mm-hmm. prayed for before. So, yeah. yeah, I hope it'll be I hope it'll be helpful. And mm-hmm. uh, it's one of those series that um, uh, we're we're trying to teach it in a way that uh, has durability. That if you go, man, I'm 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 really I'm I'm lacking this area of my life again. I'm going to go listen to that. I'm going to go read that. I'm going to go dive back into that passage uh, so that it can be. A diagnostic tool for people. So. That's great. Yeah. Uh, we had two te-
0: text in questions from this week, and then we'll kind of wrap up right after that. This first one kind of goes into what you're you're going to tee up next week. So if you just want to save this, we can recircle it, or you might message it anyways. But uh, or uh, it is around unanswered prayers. Mm-hmm. How do we deal with something that you know that could be a heart posture thing, it could be a, an ass thing, but what about if we feel like we're in the right
2: spot? and a prayer still goes unanswered. Right, yeah, that's a great question. And I think that everybody that prays knows what that feels like. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Nobody's prayers are answered instantly. I think it's always important to recognize that God answers every prayer. God answers every prayer. He actually answers every prayer instantly. Uh, It's just not always satisfying. So God's answers to our prayer are either yes, (laughs) no, or wait. And uh, wait is the hardest one, right? Because wait feels like God hasn't answered my prayer uh, but the line that I would say often, um, I, I just think about when I'm waiting for something, is that mm-hmm. God is working in our waiting. Mm-hmm. God is working in our waiting. Mm-hmm. So while we want that relationship to be resolved, while we want that job to be figured out, whether while we want that answer to come, God's going, man, there's something I need to do in you. Remember, God is playing chess, not checkers. So for us, we're kind of going, I see the piece that I want to jump over. I see the thing I want to address in my life. And God's going, no, like I have an infinitely more complex plan. You are not the hero of the story. I am. And I'm working together for your good and for my glory. And it involves more than just you. Be patient. And uh, God is always working. He's working in you, he's working around you, and he's going to work through you. But sometimes we want the shortcut where God hasn't done to us what he needs in order to work through us. And usually what happens is when we force it is even if we get what we want, we will not be ready to live with the answer that we got. Um, And it's the line before, right, that uh, competency, gifting, skill will get you in the room, character will keep you in the room. Mm And when we go, I'm going to force it. I'm just going to get there. I'm going to get that thing. Uh, When we get there, oftentimes it is uh, not very satisfying or very long lasting if we've not allowed God to do the work in us to be prepared for that. So that, I I would just encourage folks to say, I know that it feels maybe like a trite answer, but um, God really does want want to work in you. I I would also say that sometimes um, God wants to change what we're praying about. You know, if you're praying that that, person that you have feelings for and doesn't have feelings for you back would have feelings for you, um, maybe God wants to change your heart for that person too, you know? And so it's it's saying, God, I'm, I'm willing to be open enough to know this might not be the right thing for me. Or maybe you're, I, I talked about these things this weekend, maybe you're somebody that you're going, hey, I thought uh, starting a family would be a smoother process than this, and it's not, and I'm praying, and I have lots of friends in my life where this has been a part of their story. Uh, some that have beautiful, happy endings where they had kids and um, you look at their family now and you just go, oh man, they've sailed off into the sunset. Incredible. And some who have never had kids. And they would tell you that in both cases, they would tell you that the journey with God, they'd learned things that were more painful and more necessary than they ever thought possible. Mm-hmm. And they can't see themselves having learned them a different way. Mm-hmm. So um, oftentimes we, we don't see or understand the way that God uses even hard, difficult, painful things in our life until they're in our rear view mirror and that's really hard and just like with uh, someone who's dealing with depression and anxiety you should reach out we can get you connected to a counselor i would say uh, oftentimes this could be either, whether it's counselor or spiritual director do not do this alone and if stepping into a life group doesn't feel like oh man i, I don't know if i can expose this part of myself immediately the really cool thing about counselors i sometimes joke that sometimes I feel like my counselor is just the person I pay to be my friend, right? Like that's, (laughs) you just, you just need some of that in your life where mm -hmm. you can, you can unburden and go, I just need somebody to know this. What do I do with this feeling, this temptation, this frustration? Um, And they can, I think, really be a resource for us in those moments great
1: yeah if you don't know where to start uh menlo.church slash care we have tons Mm -hmm. of resources from prayer to uh Stephen ministry people to walk alongside you we've got counseling resources all Mm -hmm. of that so definitely go to that link and see what you need
2: yep i'm still trying not to be the main character in my own story yeah but we all want to be yeah hey uh Do you have one more question? I do. Go for it. You're great. You do that. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Last question that we have for today is what
0: is praying in tongues? What is a spiritual prayer? Mm -hmm. Um, What is our view? What's a Presbyterian view on tongues? just kind of opening up that Pandora's
2: box. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Just a little bit. So this is inside of the category of what sometimes is referred to as the sign gifts or miraculous spiritual gifts Mm -hmm. that we see by and large show up in the early church. Uh, So the book of Acts in the New Testament of your Bible is where you're gonna see lots of these things show up. You'll get references to them throughout the rest of the New Testament, but really where uh, the the, Acts is a narrative. So it's written as the story or a chronological account of of, uh, actual events. The letters are sort of responding to events that are happening contemporaneous. And without the context, you can be like, I think I know what's happening. That's why commentaries are so helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, but the sign gifts include things like healing. Like, I'm going to pray over you and you are instantly healed. Um, I'm going to prophesy. Like, I'm going to say something about the future. Sometimes it gets used like phrases like word of knowledge. Um, And then uh, tongues, there's actually a couple expressions of tongues. Uh, One is that what we see uh, where early in the church, there are uh, there's a there's a sermon mm-hmm. where someone's preaching in one language, and everyone in the audience who speaks different languages hears that message in their head in their own native language simultaneously. Uh, and so that's that's one expression. Another is what's called a private prayer language, where um, sometimes people will go to the text where it talks about um, when we're not sure what to pray. God gives us groanings in the Holy Spirit that are too deep for words. And it's like the Holy Spirit's praying to the Father Mm -hmm. um, and we're like this intermediary. Um, And so uh, there's that one. And then there's this uh, prayer of tongues that coincides with an interpretation where I'm gonna speak in the tongues of angels and then someone else feels like they have the gift of interpretation. I would say all of these things, there are really incredible, powerful, healthy expressions, mm-hmm. and then there are wild, crazy abuses. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even Paul, in writing to the church at Corinth in the first century, says, don't do it in crazy ways that are confusing to unchurched people uh, that don't follow the patterns that we've provided for you, in particular, where you have one person speaking to tongues and one person interpret. So if you, if you wonder why, hey, why don't I ever see someone... In a service, do this. It's because we're really applying the principles that Paul talks about. Mm -hmm. Now, um, we have a pretty big tent theologically at Menlo. You know, we use this phrase generous orthodoxy. There are essentials of the faith and non essentials of the faith. The, the sign gifts, you have two main camps. One are called continuists. That's people that believe in some version uh, these gifts have continued mm-hmm. into present day. I'm a continuist. I believe all these gifts still exist today. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have a group of people called cessationists. Mm-hmm. And they believe that as the um, uh, mm-hmm. kind of apostolic age faded away and the church really had its spark that God stopped using these gifts, they go to a passage where Paul talks about all these things will... Um, Fade away. Now, I would say it's convenient if we think all the things will fade away because he's talking about everything. He's talking about preaching. He's talking about all the gifts. It's convenient um, that if only the things fade away that make us uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> and all these things will fade away, right? We know yeah. that these things are a gift for a season um, uh, that in eternity it will likely look quite different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think uh, there are there are really great expressions of these gifts. Um, and there are really, really dangerous expressions of these gifts. Um, our seatbelt for any of this is always the scriptures, right? Mm -hmm. So if somebody says to me, I have a word from the Lord for you, I'll just say, I've been doing this a long time. And the people that often come up to me that I don't know that say, I have a word, I'm a little skeptical. (laughs) And, uh, if they say something that is in clear contradiction to Scripture, they're wrong, and the Bible is right. That's end of end of story. Full stop. Um, mm-hmm. And and I think there are also people who are usually uh, so humble, so kind, usually in relationship, and they'll just say, "I just feel like the Lord has continuously pressed this on me for you." And they'll say something that feels so specific, so helpful, conforming to the Scriptures. It, it, con, con, Uh, I find confirmation in my own spirit with what the Lord has been telling me. Mm -hmm. uh, And those have been uh, few in my life, but very powerful when they happen. Mm -hmm. And so when we want this to be the ordinary, not the extraordinary, we are going to be surprised because I think God often does this Mm -hmm. less frequently than we want. And, you know, this is not an essential. So if you're like, I think I'm a cessationist. Great. Like, let's follow Jesus together. Uh, And there are going to be people that go, Phil, I think you're quenching or holding back. The Mm -hmm. spirit wants to do more. Uh, totally get that. I think that we all sort of come to a place of our own conviction and understanding around that conversation specifically. So there you go. helpful. Yeah, Yeah. very helpful. Uh, I wanted to mention one thing before we wrap today too. Uh, If you've been paying attention, and I know lots of our podcast listeners represent some of the most engaged uh, members Mm -hmm. of our community, Mm -hmm. thank you for that. Uh, We were sort of talking last month uh, as we were finishing our fiscal year, we had a pretty big gap to address financially. Um, And we were waiting on some things to be able to communicate it more widely. I talked about it at the uh, annual congregational meeting this last weekend. You can find that online, I think, if you missed it and you want to watch it. Is that true?
0: You can email us for a link. Perfect. You can email us. Or text us, 650-600-0402. We can get you that I think Mark says that in his sleep.
2: (laughs) Um, (laughs) Anyway, uh, you can get that. We talked about it there. But uh, I wanted to let you know if you're kind of keeping track, because it won't necessarily project forward into our new fiscal year. Uh, There is just some incredible people that made some incredibly generous gifts. And we were able to close that entire financial gap yes. and finish Ooh, the year wow. uh, actually a little ahead of where we expected to finish the year financially. Thanks for your gifts, Jess. Yeah. I really appreciate that. <laughs> uh, so anyway, just it's so humbling and to talk to some folks at Menlo, I got to talk to you personally who were making, um, you know, significant gifts to say, yeah, this is our church and we believe in this season. It's yeah. the right chance to step up. And, Uh, it's great. This year, we're going to put in a lot of energy and effort to try and help some of you who maybe have never given, like generosity has not been a part of your story with God, Mm -hmm. um, so that this community is not just something that maybe you check into or listen to a podcast or attend infrequently, but you go, I am an investor in this community together. As an undivided Mm -hmm. follower of Jesus, every part of my life, including my financial reality, gets to be shaped by God. So uh, anyway, thank you, thank you, thank you. Mm -hmm. If you gave, um, especially in August, to kind of help us Close that gap. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, it is, it, it, you know, when we talk about our daily bread. Uh, Menlo's daily bread was pretty big in August, and uh, God provided. We're truly thankful, and we know that that wouldn't have happened without you. So yes. thank you.
1: Amen. Thank you all. Thank
0: you. Well, have a great week, everyone. Text us if you need anything. What's and that number again? 650 600 2 Can you say it three <laughs> times fast? Probably. Okay. All right. Bye. Have a great week, everyone. Bye. See you soon. Yes.
2: <laughs>